The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, I've always been fascinated with Cuba and had the opportunity to visit the country uh, as part of a cultural exchange some years ago. So when I saw the preview for a new segment about American and Cuban scientists joining forces on a treatment for lung cancer, I I just had to learn more. Uh, So many questions popped into my head. Had relations between our countries thawed to the point where such a partnership was feasible Did Cuba have a treatment that uh, we here in the U.S. with all of our resources did not have? And frankly, how do you set up a partnership when the U.S. has an embargo against Cuba? Well, folks, it's happening and it's exciting and it just may lead to an effective low-cost treatment for lung cancer becoming available in the U.S. The medication uh, is a vaccine called Simivax and it's currently part of an FDA-approved clinical trial at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. We have with us today Dr. Mary Reed of Roswell Park. Uh, She's going to tell us about it. Dr. Reed is the Director of Cancer Screening and Survivorship at Roswell Park Cancer Institute and a key member of the Roswell Park team that is collaborating with Cuban scientist on Sibivax. She's also currently a professor of oncology in the Department of Medicine. As Director of Cancer Screening and Survivorship, Dr. Reed has worked to expand Roswell Park's pioneering lung cancer screening program and develop other cancer screening initiatives within the Institute, working with clinical departments to increase the colon and breast cancer screening programs. Dr. Reed is also developing a comprehensive survivorship clinic and outreach program. And prior to joining Roswell Park, she served as an assistant professor in the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics, College of Public Health, and co-director of the Cancer Prevention and Control Training Program at the Arizona Cancer Center in Tucson. She has authored and co-authored more than 95 publications, serves as a regular reviewer for several cancer, nutrition, and epidemiology journals, and as a regular ad hoc reviewer for several National Cancer Institute grant mechanism. She's also the author of a collection of books about the world of medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Reed. Thank you for having me. What an impressive resume. Um, I am 
tempted to jump in and start asking questions about Simovax because I really am fascinated um, uh, by uh, uh, by the work that you're doing. But I think it's important for our listeners to understand some of the key terms that are going to come up uh, uh, during our conversation. So we'll we'll start with a little bit of a sort of a sixth grade uh, science uh, glossary uh, to begin with, so we can set the stage here. But so so let's start with you know in simple terms. Again, if you were teaching a sixth grade science class, can you explain to us uh, you know what is a vaccine and how does it affect the body? Well, um, the good part about this is that most of us have had a vaccine at some point in our life. So, uh, you know, vaccines in general um, inject either a dead, uh, mostly a dead virus or bacterial um, uh, bacterium into our bodies. And we develop, our immune system develops a natural response to to kill that bacteria. Um, and it, it in the future, when you're exposed to it, it can identify that bacteria and you continue to have an immune response. And we do that with vaccines when we're, you know, children for mumps and rubella. Uh, we take get polio vaccines. Um, we also get flu vaccines as adults and pneumonia vaccines. Uh, so it, it is, um, you know, it is a safe. It's something that's incorporated into our lifestyles, um, at least in the U.S. at various stages of our lives. And it uses our immune system. You know, it, it triggers an immune response, and that immune response eliminates that um, that exposure, that agent, um, and, you know, keeps us from getting sick with the disease that that agent causes. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, and I've traveled around the world quite a bit and have had vaccines for diseases that we don't necessarily have here in the U.S. as well that are prevalent in other countries. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So so I think we're used to that term, vaccine, for prevention. Again, we've many of us have had these vaccines over time as you know children to prevent diseases, sometimes when traveling. Um, tell us, how does a something that's called a therapeutic vaccine, like Simivax, differ from a prevention vaccine? Well, so the way I can speak specifically about cancer, the way we use therapeutic vaccines is that, for example, you can have a tumor. <clears throat> we can take part of that tumor out of your body. We can grow that tumor, um, those cells in a cell culture, and we can um, essentially neutralize some of the carcinogenic effects of that tumor and then inject it back into a cancer patient. And they begin to develop a response to those cells. So essentially, you're initiating an immune, an immune response to your own tumor. Um, we are using immunotherapy. There's a, a class of drugs that have come about in the last few years which have made a remarkable difference, especially in the, uh, when you have a solid tumor where uh, you uh, take this, um, this medication and it stimulates your immune response in a way that causes you know, good um, immune cells or T cells to come into the tumor and start to either control or reverse some of the genetic changes that drive that tumor. This is, you know, immunotherapy uh, like this, well, it's, it's sim- similar action as a vaccine, is really, you know, state-of-the-art right now. And it's, it's 
bringing about a huge uh, effect in patient survivability, particularly with lung cancer, um, you know, which is the, the area that I've been studying. So these are more general. They're not targeted, say, at a specific bacteria or virus, or uh, they're really uh, targeting general mechanisms so that you're looking for specific proteins, uh, you target specific uh, pathways in a cell or in a cancer cell. And so they're more general. They're not uh, targeting, say, polio or, you know, malaria, but they are mm-hmm. really looking for characteristics that are common to many cancer cells, like certain um, genetic um, cues or, or proteins. Uh, like Simovex targets a very specific protein. Uh, that we think helps tumors to grow. Yeah, so let's get it. So that's great. Thank you for sort of laying the groundwork there on some of the terminology so that we can uh, understand that. Um, So let's get to Simivax. Uh, Dr. Reed, tell us more about Simivax. What is it and how does it work? Well, so Simivax is actually um, uh, a, a vaccine that targets a very specific protein that circulates in our blood, that's carried by platelets, and that we also think um, stimulates the growth of, of many tumors and tumor types. And it, this um, protein is called epidermal growth factor. It's a protein, it, you know, it's very pervasive around the body. It helps us to uh, heal wounds. Um, but we also know that in the cancer world that many tumors are addicted to getting this protein to come to their to that cell and stimulate a whole pathway of genes that helps the tumor to grow and to reverse some normal normal pathways so that it can kind of grow uncontrollably. Uh, and that's the this receptor that EGF targets is the epidermal growth factor receptor. So what Simovax does is when you uh, you give it uh, as a uh, intramuscular injection, um, it um, it is combined with a common bacteria that again has had its any of its um, virulence stripped away, and we attach an EGF molecule to this bacteria. And when we inject it, the body recognizes the bacteria as foreign, and you develop antibodies, which is our normal immune response. Only this time, it develops antibodies against this um, this bacteria plus EGF. And so we call those anti-EGF antibodies. And what it does is those antibodies attack EGF and essentially starve the tumor of this this protein. It sequesters the tumor and makes it unavailable to be transported to the cancer cell. Now, you know, um, it's, it doesn't seem to affect wound healing and some of the other normal processes that we see. And, you know, I, I think we'll talk in a bit about what the Cubans have found with this um, mm-hmm. vaccine. But what is really unique about this vaccine is that you don't have to have a piece of your tumor processed. You can have a tumor that, that can be affected that you can't actually reach by a biopsy needle because, again, we know that this particular pathway drives a lot of tumors. And if you've you know, had cancer, anyone with cancer, you know that it's very common nowadays in the U.S. for us to look at the genetics of tumors. And we know that this pathway is particularly important. So it's a, it's a really novel approach um, to, to, to a vaccine, and it, and it can work on almost anyone because we all have circulating EGF. 
So it's, it's so, you know, how the, if yeah. does it affect every tumor? Maybe not. But uh, your eligibility for having a vaccine that targets EGF is really open to just about anybody. Mm, mm, interesting. So, Dr. Reed, we've got a couple minutes until our first uh, uh, commercial break here, but tell our listeners, so, it, you know, is this is this now an available treatment in Cuba? And if so, how long has it been available in Cuba and what kind of results are they having with patients? So, uh, it is. Um, it has been approved for use in Cuba and um, other countries around the world. They have uh, given Simovax to um, in the range of about 4,000 Cubans, uh, most of them with uh, lung cancer, some other cancers. Uh, they've had a very low toxicity profile. It's very well tolerated. And the effects have been, um, you know, uh, pretty amazing, um, you know, in the face of their biggest cancer is lung cancer. Um, and um, they've had We've seen in very early phase trials, one, two, three, now they're doing one in a phase four trial, which means uh, just about anyone with lung cancer can get into that trial. They've seen that Simovax uh, significantly slows or, uh, or stops tumor growth or regress, causes tumors to regress, and it does extend the overall survival uh, when given um, to patients uh, from lung cancer, which is, uh, you know, uh, effects that we, um, you know, we've been hoping for for a long time for lung cancer because it's it's such a deadly cancer. So they are seeing really good effects. It's now in an, in a very um, advanced stage um, uh, trial going across um, most of the interior of Cuba. They've mm-hmm. started work on this about... Um, you know, um, between 15 and 20 years ago. Um, And uh, and it's really, you know, made a difference for the Cubans. Yeah, yeah. Wow, fascinating. Uh, We're talking today with Dr. Mary Reed uh, of of, uh, Roswell Park uh, Cancer Institute about Simivax, which is a a treatment vaccine for lung cancer that's been developed and approved in, in Cuba and in some other countries, and now is being tested uh, at Roswell Park. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. This is uh, going to be a fascinating discussion with Dr. Mary Reed. I encourage folks to uh, uh, to stick with us. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, don't go away. We will be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. 
The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by AstraZeneca and Lilly Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and with us today is Dr. Mary Reed of the Roswell Park Cancer Institute, an internationally recognized cancer treatment and research center. Dr. Reed is a key member of the Roswell Park team that is collaborating with Cuba's Center of Molecular Immunology on the first ever clinical trial of the Cuban lung cancer vaccine, Simivax, in the United States. Um, Dr. Reed, let's, uh, I know that the, uh, we're going to get to the study. I know it's, um, uh, I know it's being studied in uh, lung cancer right now, but let's, uh, for our listeners, let's talk about, you know, what are the typ- typical symptoms for lung cancer that a person might experience that would lead them to, to seek medical attention and maybe a, a lung cancer diagnosis? Um, I think the most typical ones may be uh, the change in their breathing. They may find themselves to be more short of breath, uh, doing sort of simple tasks, walking upstairs, carrying things. Um, They may cough up um, some uh, bloody sputum. Um, They may get um, more regular or severe upper respiratory infections, Um, and uh, they may have some pain. Uh, in their chest. And usually, you know, the the best recommendation is to go to a doctor and have them evaluate um, you for any uh, follow-up with this. Uh, again, um, 85% of lung cancers are still in people who have a fairly substantial smoking history. 12 or 15% don't have a smoking history. But again, those same symptoms are the ones that drive almost anyone to a doctor uh, where lung cancer uh, can be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And and how many people are affected in the U.S. every year by this disease, and, and what is their general prognosis today? So we in the U.S., we have about 220,000 people diagnosed each year with lung cancer. Uh, in the range of about 159,000 die each year. Um, surviving lung cancer and the length of survival is really dependent on the stage of diagnosis. Uh, mm-hmm. We know now definitively the earlier the stage, one and two, the longer someone will live. Um, we know that advanced lung cancer in late stage uh, three and four, the prognosis is very poor. I think we're looking at, a uh, for the later stages, um, you know, somewhere between a 5 to 8% uh, survival for five years. Overall, lung cancer survival for five years across all stages in, is about 20%. And that uh, has not really improved much in the last 25 years. Again, we have some really great immunotherapy 
these checkpoint inhibitors that are st- we're starting to see. There are many, many more drugs that have come onto the market to treat lung cancer in the last five to ten years, and so there has been a, an improvement in survival. But again, it's um, it's the the stage of diagnosis that really predicts um, how long you're going to live with this disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and Dr. Reed, as we talked about in the last segment, I think most people, when they hear the term vaccine, they're really used to something that's used for prevention, right? The vaccines Correct. that we have when we're kids, when we're traveling abroad. But what led scientists to start to investigate vaccines as a treatment for cancer, this idea of a therapeutic vaccine? Can you give us a little bit of that history? Well, I think part of it is that, um, you know, there's, People have been thinking a long time that um, we, you know, the cancer grows within us, and that if our immune system um, could combat that cancer and start to recognize it not as a part of ourselves, but as sort of a, a foreign cell, that the immune system, you know, is throughout the body, and people with healthy immune systems can fight off a lot of diseases. Why can't that be applied to? To cancer, we um, we know there that you know um, the immune system uh, is very resilient, and uh, so that's you know that's been going on for a long time. We have lots of um, diseases like the uh, leukemias and lymphomas, which are actually diseases that involve the immune system, and so we've been able to study that response for quite some time, um, and. Certain tumors, you know, uh, we've looked at like ovarian cancers where we've really started to play with the immune system and to develop these sort of vaccines from your own tumor that, again, um, we, you're, you're injected with and your immune system uh, then starts to attack the tumor. I think part of um, why, uh, you know, with uh, lung cancer and with some of this is that uh, Simovax came from a group of immunologists in Cuba. Uh, who were intent on uh, using what they knew to um, use the immune system. And they were immunologists. They really understood how to stimulate the immune system to attack very specific things, again, like this EGF protein. So it's been mm-hmm. going on for a long time. But, um, mm-hmm. And we know more and more about how important the immune system is, but it does seem like we, we should be able to har- harness that to, to attack tumors. And, you know, in the last five years, we've really seen a, a, a surge in um, that strategy across many uh, strategies of different drugs and, and many tumors. Mm. So tell us a little bit more, uh, Dr. Reed, about the relationship between Roswell Park and the Center uh, for Molecular Immunology in Cuba. How did that partnership start? How did that come about? Well, I think people from Roswell have been going to Cuba for quite some time. They have a very strong um, uh, immunology core of scientists in Cuba, and so there have been conferences that some of our immunologists have been attending, I'd say, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. Um, and they bring in people from all over the world. Um, a lot of South American colleagues have been going to Cuba for these conferences for, for quite some time. I think it was around five or six years ago when the, the chair of our um, Department of Immunology um, brought a few of us down there because he had been talking with them about some of the drugs and their direction of using immunology um, 
for cancer, and then we began to develop kind of a core group of scientists who would go. I went as the epidemiologist, and there were three other uh, immunologists, and we, we sat for a long time talking with them to learn about what they had developed, what evidence that they had to, how this drug worked, who they'd been testing it in, you know, and a lot of the sort of basic um, molecular immunology, um, you know, over many, many days of, of working and planning with them. So it's been slow, but it's been steady. And, you know, uh, we've um, kind of now gotten to the point where we started to, to design joint research projects. Mm, mm. So, so, Dr. Reed, before starting this project in particular, what did you sort of know about the, the Cuban healthcare system or what did you expect to find? I mean, you talked about a history of a lot of, of, of sort of immunology research there. I think the average person wouldn't necessarily think that or know that or understand anything about sort of the healthcare system or, or biomedical research um, uh, in Cuba. So what, you know, what did you sort of find in terms of your counterparts, you know, in the, in the communities there in Cuba and, um, you know, what were some of the sort of surprises perhaps in that? Well, you know, I I think like you, I've been fascinated with Cuba for a long time, and you know, it's been very um, kind of inaccessible to us as uh, U.S. citizens. Um, but I did know that they have a um, that you know, healthcare is free, as education, dental care are all free, and that um, that while they may not have the highest level of technology, that they did have great coverage. They had physicians that live in small in the community, um, you know, in and they're assigned to areas to keep the people within their area well. So um and you know, I also knew that because I'm from the area of public health that many Cuban physicians have gone around the world to very rural areas and worked as primary care doctors. Um, so I, I did expect that and, you know, in seeing that, going um, to meet with them and seeing the commitment that they have, they actually, um, you know, are true to wanting to make sure that everyone has access to the best uh, medicine that they could have. I also was aware that we have an embargo and that many of the advances that we've seen here for treating cancer, especially lung cancer, were not um, were not used in Cuba because they were not allowed to import those drugs. And so I did expect, I know they have one of the highest rates of smoking in South America. They have a very much of a, a culture that, um, or an economy that's built on tobacco and tobacco products, mm-hmm. uh, and that um, I would expect to see a lot of lung cancer, and in fact, that's what we saw. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, they, in lieu of having... Uh, advanced treatment for lung cancer. You know, in the U.S., if you fail standard chemotherapy, you have many drugs now that are available depending on the genetics of your tumor and how, how old you are and, you know, what it looks like, what the histology is. In Cuba, if you fail a standard chemo, you really don't have anything else. And I think that's what drove them to develop um, this drug and some of the other drugs that they're doing. The exciting part for me is that this is a really smart group. This is like we hang around with the smartest, some of the smartest people in Cuba in terms of, you know, medicine and drug development and immunology. Uh, it's a pleasure and kind of a privilege to be around people who know that much, who, uh, who are so committed to making improvements for their country and who are really teaching us 
about some new models of how to develop drugs and how, um, for instance, this vaccine can help with a very common tumor uh, and, and, you know, improve survival. And so it's, it's been very exciting for me. It's not a, it's not a realm that I usually travel in and, uh, and I've really enjoyed the science. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a very quick question. We've got only a quick minute before the um, uh, the break, Doctor Reed. Are you, uh, you know, as you sort of travel there, are you you talk about the sort of high rate of smoking, high rate of lung cancer in Cuba. Are you seeing efforts there to sort of cut down on smoking to prevent, uh, you know, to sort of prevent lung cancer? Are you seeing sort of non-smoking, you know, restaurants or other things happening there? Just quickly. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no. It's a little <laughs> bit, quick. you know. It, it's a. They're still poor. And I do think um, cigarettes are actually pretty expensive, uh, and that's been one thing. And there are some small efforts in their public health sector uh, to educate people about smoking, uh, but but not the way we have here. There are there are very few. There are a few hotels that have smoke-free zones, but actually smoking is pretty pretty common there in restaurants and on the street. And um, yeah. you know if they can if you can afford to get tobacco, which uh, they can, especially if it's Cuban-grown tobacco, they can't afford it. Um, they smoke. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break here. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking with Dr. Mary Reed of Roswell Park. Don't go away. We'll be right back. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Insight Corporation, NovoCure, and Taiho Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo. Our guest today is Dr. Mary Reed. We've been talking to Dr. Reed about the Cuban lung cancer treatment, Simivax, which is currently being studied at Roswell Park Cancer Institute in an FDA-approved clinical trial. This is the first time a Cuban therapy has been tested and studied in the United States. Dr. Reed is the Director of Cancer Screening and Survivorship at Roswell Park and a key member of the Roswell Park team that is collaborating with Cuban scientists on Simivac. She's also currently a professor of oncology in the Department of Medicine. Um, Dr. Reed, there are, we know, American lung cancer patients literally smuggling Simivacs back home. Uh, to the U.S. Online patient communities are sharing information about how to circumvent travel restrictions, how to best keep the vaccine refrigerated when traveling, when, uh, when you know, returning to the U.S. I know that these are um, presenting some real uh, challenges, and we can get into some of those challenges. But why is there so much excitement about Simivax from patients? Why are they going to these lengths to uh, to access the, uh, the treatment vaccine? Well, I... You know, one is uh, lung cancer is a scary disease to have. And um, you can, you know, there's many drugs available, but you can run out of treatment options. And, mm-hmm. again, you know, we're used to vaccines. So we've been getting vaccines all of our lives. And the idea of using something that has been reported to have such a low toxicity profile and, you know, frankly, is relatively cheap compared to some of the targeted therapies, some of the more advanced therapies, um, you know, that's part of it. Um, and, you know, again, it comes back to the fact that um, we sort of inherently understand that we want to use our immune system to protect us against disease, and we do that all the time. Um, and this is new. Um, so I think that, that also um, helps. But, mm-hmm. you know, when someone is told that their treatment options are limited or they, they have insurance plans that won't pay for that next generation of drug because, you know, they haven't uh, gone through all the proper steps, uh, as it, you know, you pay cash for Simovax, uh, it's mm-hmm. still, for some people, uh, uh, economically feasible. And there are other countries. Uh, the country of Colombia recently had Simovax approved for treatment. They're also getting mm-hmm. um, Americans uh, going down there, and they're work, trying to work with insurance companies. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you know, we're a very resilient population. We don't like mm-hmm. to be told no, and uh, and this is something I think people um, feel comfortable with. 
So, you know, all of those things combined, we are, there's a lot of interest about Simovex. But is it, is it legal for people to go to these places to buy it and bring it back? Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Um, yeah. I, I know there's a lot of things about importing uh, stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, that I really can't speak to. Um, right, right. So, but I do know, um, you know, you can contact physicians in Cuba and now Colombia and some other countries um, to get some of I don't know what the laws are in terms of bringing mm-hmm. across the border, but we know that it Got is it. happening. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Dr. Reed, let, let's get into uh, the study, the trial that's happening okay. there at Roswell Park. Um, what's the, you know, tell us, you know, sort of what's the, what, what is the goal of the trial that's, that's happening there? Um, what are you trying to learn? What kind of patient, you know, what kind of diagnosis, what kind of patient, you know, is being enrolled in this study? What's the, what's the design? Tell us a little bit about it so we can understand that. So we're um, we have a phase one and a phase two part, and um, you know in Cuba you get some of X alone because there are no other drugs. In the U.S. we have other drugs, and one of them is nivolumab, which is a checkpoint inhibitor that I mentioned earlier. So you know after standard chemotherapy, and now uh, as some for some patients before chemotherapy, they mm-hmm. can get one of these checkpoint inhibitors. So we needed to combine some of X with 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 what is standard of care in the U.S. because you'd never opt to give Simovax um, instead of giving one of these other drugs just because we already know these drugs uh, work. So we've com- combined it with one of these new um, checkpoint inhibitors, nivolumab. So we first have to make sure that Simovax with nivolumab uh, is safe and that um, you know there aren't added toxicities we didn't know about. So we're doing that study right now and uh, will involve most likely a total of 18 patients, all with advanced lung cancer who have failed first-line treatment, uh, and they would be uh, normally um, eligible to go on nivolumab or another checkpoint inhibitor, but in this case, nivolumab. So we're putting those two together. Uh, we're through the first dose, so we're looking at starting our second cohort in this phase one, which is another six patients. Uh, it's, you know, recruiting well. The FDA asked us to go slowly, so we have a break between each patient that we recruit. And, you know, it's going along well. We have not seen an increased uh, number of toxicities related to Simovex. Uh, the next phase will be more of a, it's still, if you go on the study, for the second phase, still late-stage lung cancers, three and four pa- people who are eligible for nivolumab. With, now we're going to add Simovex, but we're going to be really looking at it for a longer period of time. We're going to be really interrogating tissue, blood, tumor, to see what the effect of Simovex is on tumors. Because the one part, and I have to say, you know, in our collaboration with the Cubans, the part we bring to the table is that we have, you know, we have the new drugs to test Simovex with, but we also have a lot of technology that they don't have. And so we can really help them to understand how Simovex is working in the tumors. And they've been limited on that. You know, we have all these fancy machines to do genetic testing, which they don't have. And so we're really providing them with uh, information on how Simovax works in in the tumor and and in the rest of the patient. We got a big response. Um, we we found many, you know, hundreds of eligible patients. 
The one thing is that we have to recruit slowly. So someone may be eligible when they call, but by the time we're ready to recruit them, they may have had to go on another treatment, which would make them ineligible. We don't want people um, holding off, going on, on what's recommended to treat their tumor and to wait for the Simovax trial because, you know, they could, they could, their tumor could grow and they could, you know, die from something like that. So we, we have mm-hmm. to catch people right at the right moment. And I think that's been the challenge for a lot of people who've called in. Uh, again, mm-hmm. when, when we move on to a bigger trials, hopefully, uh, with Simovax, you know, after a success from this trial, it'll be easier mm-hmm. for patients to get on when they're ready. But right now, and we have to you, go slow. Go ahead. Yeah, and when do you expect to go into a bigger trial or a phase, phase three? Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's I, mean, I don't know which phase it's going to be. It may just be a bigger phase two study. But I mm-hmm, think we're mm-hmm. still looking uh, at uh, trying to finish up this phase one trial within the next you know, six months, uh, look at the results, and then immediately start the phase two, uh, which will take a couple years. You know, people will be able to go on and stay on Simovax and, and Nivolumab as long as they're feeling good, even if their tumor is growing a little bit. Um, so that may take a few more years before we know how it's doing in that drug combination. I know that we're talking about other drugs to combine Simovax with, mm-hmm. and you know, I have some of my own interests in terms of prevention, but I think for this trial, and this is really critical that we do it exactly right, um, uh, so that we give Simovax a future uh, here in the U.S. But, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a couple more years before we're ready to move on to uh, involving more, more patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And would you do a study where you compare uh, nivolumab alone versus nivolumab plus Simovax? So what we're doing is we're actually, um, you know, there have been several big studies published using nivolumab. Uh, we know sort of what how what advantage nivolumab gives in terms of uh, progression-free survival and overall mm-hmm. survival. And so we're actually going to compare the combination with the historical um, data that was published. There was one both in squamous cell and adenocarcinoma. So we're, we are doing the comparison, but we don't really need to involve a group getting nivolumab alone because... That's really most advanced lung cancer cases are getting it uh, alone. And, and we sort of know what benefit it offers on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, uh, just uh, uh, quickly, uh, Doctor, we've got just a couple minutes until our next break here. But we mentioned earlier that, that uh, uh, Simovax is relatively inexpensive compared to other available um, uh, treatments. So aside from... The, the clinical progress that we're seeing, do you think there's also some real excitement because of the relative uh, affordability of the drug? Well, so I, you know, again, I, I, I can't really speak to the affordability, like what it would, what it costs on the, on the open market, because we don't really have it here. Um, and, you know, we um, are, uh, you know, we're, doing the study, we're not having to pay for it in the normal way. We import it, but the cost, mm-hmm. I, I just have to say that if something like this works, you know, we, we're looking at some of these advanced um, targeted therapies as being tens of thousands for every cycle that a patient is on. So relative to that, um, if you, you know, people are looking in the, you know, 12,000 to 20,000 range to get a year's worth of Simovax, it's inexpensive. Is it is mm-hmm. it inconsequential? You know, um, having cancer is a very costly endeavor. 
treating cancer yes. is very costly to the patient and to the healthcare system. So whether uh, bringing Simivax and, and having it be available in the U.S., what, you know, how it stacks up, I don't really know how that's going to turn out. I do mm-hmm. know that it has a very low toxicity profile. And, mm-hmm. you know, to me, uh, and, you know, we know this from our healthcare system, we'll do just about anything to treat cancer. Uh, and mm-hmm. that if it does come in cheaper, it would be great. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I hope it always, you know, it, that is an advantage. I'm just not sure at this point um, how how inexpensive or expensive it's going to be. Sure, and even I guess from a commercial standpoint, how it's even going to get here, right? If it, uh, <laughs> you know, if it moves along again, considering so the challenges, you know, between our two um, uh, our two uh, economies. Um, is it is it just quickly? Is it free for Cubans in Cuba? Yes. Medical is. care is free for Cubans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The whole, uh, the whole thing is free for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Exactly right. the right price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good price. Yeah, um, we. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking to Dr. Mary Reed uh, of the Roswell Park uh, Cancer Institute. We're talking about the treatment vaccine Simivax, which is uh, 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 being researched uh, at Roswell Park. We've got more to discuss with Dr. Reed. Don't go away. We'll be right back. into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our episode today is brought to you in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, Celgene Corporation, 
EMD Serono and Takeda Oncology. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We've been having a truly fascinating conversation about Simivax, an innovative lung cancer treatment developed in Cuba that is now being tested in the United States in an FDA-approved clinical trial. Telling us about it is Dr. Mary Reed. Dr. Reed is a key member of the Roswell Park Cancer Institute team that's collaborating with Cuba's Center of Molecular Immunology to bring the Cuban lung cancer vaccine, Simivax, to U.S. patients. Um, Dr. Reed, Roswell Park is uh, a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center. Can you tell our listeners what that means and tell them, you know, in general about uh, about the work that's being done there? Uh, so being a, a designated comprehensive cancer center means that we uh, deal with, um, you know, essentially all the aspects of cancer treatment. We have multiple modalities, surgery, radiation, uh, chemotherapy, but we also have a very large research component. The designation comes from the National Cancer Institute. They evaluate whether we're doing comprehensive research, whether we're, you know, staying up with current trends uh, that are, um, we have, we're, as an academic institution, our physicians and PhDs um, are involved in research, both in the clinical and the basic science area. And so we essentially get the designation because we have a full spectrum of research, including research that addresses the needs of our immediate um, uh, area of, of the populations that surround us. So it's, it's really um, what it means for our patients is that because we are academic, we are very interested in clinical trials in terms of mm-hmm. changing and improving care. And mm-hmm. that's what distinguishes us from uh, getting cancer care in a community. And uh, Dr. Reed, according to a 2012 study published in the American Journal of Public Health, Cuba was able to create a robust healthcare system, one that many countries, even developed countries, uh, you know, could be envious of. And and that's sort of in spite of the country's uh, limited resources. Um, and you really talked about also the deep work and research that they're doing in immunology and in other areas um, in Cuba. How did a country like Cuba with this incredible embargo for so many years wind up on the cutting edge of some of this biotechnology? Well, I think um, there's one key is that, um, you know, if you're, uh, because education is free, so Mm -hmm. uh, it really allows a very uh, smart, uh, ambitious uh, young person to pursue um, getting educated to the highest level, either as a physician or a PhD or or both. And so they really, you know, um, the, the smartest students in Cuba actually advance. The other part is that um, they are not free really to travel here, but they travel around the world and they collaborate with 40 countries around the, the world. Um, many of the investigators we work with have done multiple postdocs in England, Europe, uh, China, Japan, uh, Australia. And so they really have gone around the world uh, and, um, you know, been, been educated. And so uh, they're not missing um, what's currently the trend, the hottest technology. They just don't have it uh, in their own country. Um, mm-hmm. They um, and and you know um, this kind of uh, limit on having the ability to buy very expensive machines. Uh, those limitations have really spurred their innovation. 
You know, they mm-hmm. wanted to make a drug that they could produce themselves and make available to Cubans and then to actually make it available around the world uh, is, you know, is, is really impressive. So, you know, sort of it, 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 there, it's the limitation almost that, that mm-hmm. drove them to these very innovative drugs. And they have multiple drugs for multiple tumors. On the cardiovascular side, they have some amazing drugs for, you know, diabetic foot ulcers. And so it's not just in the cancer area mm-hmm. that we see mm-hmm. some of these really great um, advances of drugs that we, you know, in, in more developed, richer countries really envy. So, you know, I, I think that was a big surprise. Um, it is a surprise for a lot of people, and, but then when you meet them, you understand that, um, that where they're from, the country, the economics, doesn't really uh, impact when you have an innovative scientist that are, are so well, passionate. Uh, the, the, uh, the phrase necessity is the mother of invention comes to mind. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. In what you're describing. Um, uh, is, uh, is Simivax now being studied in other cancers? Um, you know, it, um, they have started to look at it in some other cancer sites. The ones that are sort of um, like head and neck cancer is a, would be a great candidate. Um, you know, breast cancer, colon cancer, uh, prostate cancer, any of the cancers that have this particular uh, growth factor. Um, which is that epidermal growth factor uh, receptor on them. And so there are many different cancer models. Uh, they have the most experience with Simovax in lung, um, but mm-hmm. they have some other you know, vaccines uh, that they're testing for other uh, cancers like multiple myeloma, uh, breast cancer. Uh, Simovax mm-hmm. in particular you know, should work on a variety of cancers. Uh, they mm-hmm. just you know, have chosen lung cancer because they were in the most desperate need um, to find a solution for for that particular mm-hmm. tumor, Doctor Reed, I don't want to get too um, uh, you know too political here, but do you think that is this the first? Do you think of many U.S. Cuban partnerships? Is there uh, any discussion about um, you know will, will things will we sort of take a step backwards with our current administration? I mean, are we still optimistic that some of these partnerships will go forward? Well, you know, I am an optimist. And um, mm-hmm. I, you know, want to believe that um, we're going to continue to be able to uh, collaborate with them. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I also want to, I'm optimistic that, you know, um, despite all of that, that um, if, if this drug is really effective, that Americans will have access to it. Because, you know, 220,000 cases a year mm-hmm. is not a trivial number. It's the biggest cancer killer. You only have to make a slight difference. Uh, and, and extending people's lives just a little bit to really see a difference because there's so many people impacted with lung cancer. And so, you know, I'm hopeful because I, I really think that, you know, I mean, I want the best science and the best drugs to be available to U.S. citizens yeah. no matter where they come from. Yes. Yeah. No. I think, yeah, I think, we agree. I think we agree on that for sure. Um, Dr. Reed, I, it's been a fascinating discussion. I want to thank you for coming onto the show today to tell us about the, the this clinical trial that Roswell Park Cancer Institute has launched uh, to, to study and really test this uh, Cuban cancer vaccine, Simivax. I hope you'll come back on the show in the future. Let us know what you are learning. Let us know about your um, uh, progress. I want to uh, let our listeners know that if you would like more information around, about the Roswell Park Cancer Institute, uh, the clinical trial for Simivax, go to Roswell Park Dot org. That's R-O-S-W-E-L-L park.org, 
or you can call uh, 877-275-7724. You can also follow them on Facebook uh, and Twitter. It's been uh, a pleasure having uh, our listeners join us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. And really, we continue to try to bring you topics that are on the uh, uh, on the cutting edge of, of, of cancer care and cancer treatment. Um, I would just want to remind our listeners that we have a wide range of in-person, online, and telephone support for anybody with any kind of cancer at any stage of their disease, and also for their family members and loved ones. We have 47 wonderful affiliates around the country. We have uh, an online community. You can visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. You can call our helpline and speak to a trained uh, licensed professional at 888-793-9355. Again, that's 888-793-9355. We hope you'll uh, visit us. We hope we can uh, serve you and your family. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.